1: some pretty rough sailing as of late for cryptocurrencies, as we have seen crypto markets in turmoil. And this comes at a time when it seemed like crypto was really starting to break a little bit more into the mainstream. We wanted to talk about all of this, so we caught up with John Sednoff. He is an associate professor of finance at Villanova University. So just to set a baseline, I think people have heard about cryptocurrency, but maybe aren't Quite sure what exactly it is. Can you just kind of give us a
0: quick definition of cryptocurrency? Sure, it's a it's a digital asset at its core. Uh, it is depending on what cryptocurrency you're using. There's different technological features that matter for it. But uh, if you think about Bitcoin, which is probably the you know, most well-known and highly traded, definitely you know biggest market cap cryptocurrency out there. You have a digital token, a digital asset that is not backed by anything. Uh, It has, you know, there's no physical asset, no cash flows, no company, nothing that backs it. It is a physical or, I'm sorry, digital currency um, where all the accounting, all the record keeping is done on what we call a blockchain. And that underlying blockchain technology has uh, really the potential to be truly disruptive. In terms of what we would think about with traditional finance. Um, But, you know, again, at its core, uh, a a cryptocurrency is a digital asset that people can trade. Um, The end game or the the idea, I shouldn't say end game, but maybe, you know, the idea of a cryptocurrency is to eventually that the currency can be used like you would use a dollar or like you would use a, a euro or something like that as a medium of exchange. And we've seen progress in that area. We're not quite there yet, but the aim is for it eventually to be a medium of exchange as as any currency would be
1: about how many coins are there different types of currency are there right now because it seems like a lot
0: yeah thousands uh, it, it, so one place to go if you you know if you're interested in really seeing the, the scope of it if you go to a website like coinmarketcap.com for example um, you can see they you know they list the currencies by value by volume all these things there's thousands of currencies on there. And it's not necessarily difficult for somebody to start a new currency or create a currency, which is why there's a very low barrier to entry with it. So, which is why you see uh, so many of them that exist. That said, there's a handful, you know, a couple dozen maybe, um, that are, you know, pretty legitimate and widely traded and, and well known. But the number of digital tokens that are out there is thousands of them.
1: As we're talking on Thursday, May 12th, uh, the crypto market seems to be, at least in this moment, uh, volatile to be polite, freefall to be negative. What are we seeing here? What's happening?
0: So to start with the word volatile, let's, let's go with that first. If we look at Bitcoin's volatility or cryptocurrency, pick your favorite. They're all going to look very similar. Um, If you look at the volatility of Bitcoin, going back to its origins, it's very high. And again, like we we mentioned, this idea of a store of value, a medium of exchange as a currency. If you want something, people to use something as money, it's got to maintain a somewhat stable value, right? We're not really comfortable with our bank account values fluctuating, and you know, obviously, we're dealing with inflation and all these things now, but we still have a pretty reliable idea of what a dollar is worth. Um, Bitcoin that changes from day to day, from from minute to minute, sometimes. Um, and if you look at the volatility of Bitcoin relative to fiat currencies, the U.S. dollar to Bitcoin exchange rate versus the U.S. dollar to Euro, something like that. Um, it's just even today, even over time, the Bitcoin volatility has dropped. Uh, you kind of in total but it's still much higher than what you would see with traditional fiat. Now, what we've seen in the past month or so is a dramatic drop off in the value of Bitcoin and what more broadly cryptocurrencies. You know, I I think what we're so, so that's an increase in the volatility in the short run here even though we've seen long-term trends of decreasing volatility. I I think what you see here is um, potentially folks who who have been speculating in the currency are exiting. There's right now, as we see, we mentioned rising inflation, as we see stock prices dropping, as we see chaos kind of in the bond markets as yields are rising, um, there's a potential need for liquidity out there. And if I've got a bunch of money tied up in crypto, maybe that's where I go to, uh, to, to, to access just liquidity and convert that back to dollars for whatever it might be that I need there's also kind of a momentum effect. If I see the snowball start to build, I don't want to be the last one out the door. It's rational for me to want to be the first one out the door. So if I'm speculating on this, or if I have a liquidity need because of other macroeconomic issues, um, it's. I think that's probably a lot of what we're seeing right now with crypto. And in the long run, I think what this could potentially do is Leave you kind of with people still who are still holding and hold through this. You're you're leaving uh, the the supply of Bitcoin and other currencies with people who might be what you would call true believers in the currency, which could, in the long run, lead to further reduced uh, volatility, easier uh, accept more wide acceptance of the currency as a result. Um, I'll add one more thing to that, which is we also have seen in just the last couple of days uh the collapse of a few uh what we would call stable coins, which are current cryptocurrencies that are pegged to a certain value, to you know, uh typically like tether, for example, uh, or USD coin uh or Terra, which is the which is the big one in question, tries to hit a $1 per coin peg. Um, We've seen Terra collapse uh, to about half of that value. And when you have a stable coin, you should be seeing this value stay stable. That's the point. Uh, It's meant to be a a way for people to easily get in and out of cryptocurrencies. It's a way to store value as a cryptocurrency without supposedly exposure to the volatility of of the overall markets. But Tether has had issues just this morning, dipping below a dollar. Terra has like I said, collapsed to 50 cents or so. Um, and, and so we'll, we will see if that continues, because as you have runs, as people are leaving the market, that's going to put pressure on stable coins as well, which can shake, I think, the confidence uh, in the crypto markets.
1: It, it seems to me, one of the things that w- I wanted to talk about is because you've got this, these issues, serious issues in the crypto market, but it seems to come at a time, I've seen a couple of polls where you know ninety-one percent of people have heard of, which doesn't surprise me, but then like ten to twenty percent of people own crypto, which I thought was high. I didn't think it was that. You know, now you're still talking a tenth or a fifth of you know of the people, but I still think that's significant. Could this have come at a worse time for crypto when it was getting? You know, there was a Super Bowl ad, wasn't that long ago? Like, you know, could this have come at a worse time for the the market as a whole?
0: I think that it, it comes down to a little bit of a longer term view on it. I, right now, it's certainly not good, right? I mean, it certainly um, it creates some doubt about the, the value of the coin and uh, the value of crypto, what it means, um, but if this leads to a longer term kind of stabilization because of what I was saying earlier, where maybe you're left with the people who truly believe are going to hold and, and not really speculate as much and be trading in and out and causing that volatility, that could potentially induce, in the long run, more people to get in. But as you said, you know, everybody knows about it. A certain fraction hold the currency. It's because it's risky. It's very risky to hold it, given what we've seen. Um, but all that said, the ecosystem surrounding Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies has continued to evolve. Um, to, to quickly and rapidly uh, to the point where it's easy it's very easy to get cryptocurrency you can go on your cell phone while you're listening to us on this uh, discussion and by the time we're done talking you can you can own cryptocurrency it's very simple and straightforward to do uh, which you know five years ago 10 years ago it wasn't. And the services surrounding it—you know—we're talking about putting Bitcoin in your 401k. We're talking about financial institutions potentially offering easy access to Bitcoin. We're talking about more services for merchants to accept Bitcoin, and which mitigates their risk of holding the currency themselves. Um, you know, there's a whole world of stuff that's evolving around crypto that's just making it easier, lowering the barriers to entry, and so. While you do have this pricing uh, issue right now, which is certainly not great, everything is in trouble right now. There's not really a great safe place to go, period, whether you're talking about stocks or bonds or whatever, it's a really tough environment. Uh, And I think people have to kind of be aware of that and and consider that, but um, I think the long-term effects, again, with a potential stabilization, along with the developing ecosystem, could really benefit crypto uh, and its adoption rates, I think.
1: Is the idea of it becoming a more mainstream concept in the macro? In some, I I always look at, or I shouldn't say, in my head, when I think of people that are heavy into crypto, I think of people that want to be disruptors, that want to go against the grain, uh, not your typical investor. Does the idea of it becoming more mainstream, more people understanding it, more people being comfortable with it, does that make it less attractive to some people because they're worried it could become just part of the establishment? Potentially, so.
0: So I, I do think one of the things that are really attractive to some people about cryptocurrency is that you don't have a central bank, you don't have a government that runs it, nothing like that. And I and I think some people think that that's a really great thing. I could see how if you don't have faith and trust in what the Federal Reserve is doing, that you might be attracted to something like this. Another feature is that it's supposed to be anonymous, right, on the blockchain as you make your transactions. However, for ordinary people, um, that option of anonymity is becoming probably less easy to come by. I don't know if it ever was an option for you know ordinary kind of mainstream investors, because all the entry points the mainstream entry points your coinbase everybody else they have know your client rules and they have to you know you have to show them a photo of your passport or your social security number whatever to get access to the platform so everything is kind of tied to you if you're going through mainstream re- routes of uh, entering crypto in that sense but at the same time even though more and more individuals are kind of joining into this i think there's two things at play here. One is that a lot of those folks that you're mentioning who are early adopters and who think this is really disruptive, they, they're believers in the currency, and, I, and it benefits them to have more people potentially joining in to the party, so to speak, right? Uh, it, it's going to create more demand for the currency. Bitcoin is in very limited supply, and it's supply capped. Many currencies are. It should help drive the value further up as there's more demand with a relatively stable supply. Um, and so people are, are are very excited about this, and you see some people who are real kind of cheerleaders about cryptocurrency uh, and its use. Secondly, and potentially more importantly, uh i I don't really know um how how mainstream it can totally get in the sense that the u s government and governments around the world have very strong incentives to heavily regulate cryptocurrencies because they would like to control their own economies still. Um, if Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency were to somehow supplant the US dollar, I mean, that's a long way away from it that ever being a possibility. But if if we pretend that it did or it was close to happening, you know, the US government, the Fed would have no power to do anything. They can't control the currency, can't control money supply, can't do anything like that. Some people think that's a great idea, um, some people don't, but I think that there's always going to be this angle of crypto and and you know cryptocurrency being this disruptive force that's outside of the mainstream because regulators do have these incentives to be very careful about protecting their own ability to to, you know, for lack of a better word, control things in their economy. To that point, and we talk
1: about the volatility and we're seeing, a lot of severe dips right now in the crypto market. Is there a chance that this gets out of control and we really see this crater just because it's not tied to anything? There isn't a federal reserve that can come in and put emergency powers into it and throw money into it a government that can, you know, do whatever. But I mean, the fact that it's kind of the wild west, if
0: it really, really goes south, there's not a cavalry, is there? Right. Um, and, and so so the, the, the contrast is kind of, let's think about Russia for a second. What happened with Russia, um, their currency was put in a very difficult position and it lost a lot of value very rapidly. It has since recovered. Uh, but part of that, part of it is how they've, how they've tried to uh, force uh, people to pay for oil with with rubles but the other part of it is that the central bank maintains currency reserves that they can use to defend the currency's value and part of what the united states and europe did was to freeze the central banks the russian central bank's assets to try to prevent them from doing that now they still had gold they still had yuan they had other things in the in their ammunition that they could use but their dollars and euros were tied up and that's exactly why the west did what they did now, when you think about that with cryptocurrency, and you see a value like this plunging, with Bitcoin dropping, you know, fifty percent or whatever it's been over the past month or two, um, there's nobody there to do anything about it. Um, if you think about, um, you know, uh, we're we're talking about the stablecoin um, Terra, which is a, um, a U.S. dollar peg stablecoin. Now, as Terra collapsed, is there is their stablecoin collapsed, they have another kind of sister currency that's built into their system which is called Luna and it's tied to the Terra ecosystem. and I'm looking at the data right now uh, two or three days ago oh and, uh, back to April back to April, um, they were trading in the $85 per coin range. As this all has unfolded in the past few days, as I look at the data right now, Terra is trading at one point two cents per quarter in in their lunas. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. So if that's a you know ninety nine percent drop in the value of the currency. There's nothing there to stop Bitcoin or anything else from doing the same thing, other than that you may have individuals who may sit on their currency and weather the storm and stay invested. Uh, But if you have everybody trying to sell out and sell out and sell out, it's a crowded exit. It's very hard to get out uh, and and to maintain anything. So to answer the question, you know, no, there's not necessarily a control there or an entity there who's going to come in and say, let's defend this value. It's just out there. I know
1: NFTs are kind of different, but it's under the same umbrella and i know there's been a couple high profile stories i remember one about the an nft of the of jack dorsey's first tweet that had been bought for an absurd amount of money and then sold for a fraction of that uh, is there a connection with struggles in the nft market to crypto is it cuz i would imagine it's a lot of the same players that uh, that are involved or are these kind of separate entities? Because I think the common person just kind of puts it all in the
0: same box. Uh, Is that fair? Um, There's definitely connections because you have NFT projects that run on blockchain, like Ethereum's blockchain and other blockchain type um, innovations. And so, you know, when I said earlier about, excuse me, about blockchain being a potential way to, you know, build on and innovate with, this is one application of it. Um, You know, when you think about NFTs, you're buying digital copies of artwork and a, and a copy of a tweet, you know, I can go and look at Jack Dorsey's tweet just the same as I can look at somebody's NFT. So the the, the benefits of owning an NFT are not always to me totally clear. Um, other than to say, yeah, I have this, I have a serial number on it, it's it's mine, but you know, anybody can look at it, anybody can print it out and frame it, and do what they want. Some NFT projects may have other utility associated with it. Um, You know, it may, uh, some NFT projects may be associated with your ability to get into uh, a a club or get on a boat or, uh, you know, have access to future NFT purchases and releases or things like that. Um, so, So I think the projects that are maybe more successful are the ones that might be offering more in the way of utility that comes with owning the NFT. That said, with what's happening in the markets, with the crypto markets, um, I you know I would uh, I would believe that there is a correlation between what's happening. Although I think the the kind of uh, enthusiasm for NFT projects has dropped a bit over the past year since when when they made a big splashy kind of introduction a year ago or so. Um, but you know, again, if you are otherwise in need of liquidity, and you're seeing everything else happening with the market, a, a place to exit might be NFTs, or there may not be any other choice for you other than to liquidate your NFTs and, and get out. And, and again, there's momentum associated with that too. I you know I don't wanna be the last one out the door and I'm going if I see selling, I might sell as well. So when you have people speculating, which in, in a lot of ways, NFT projects encourage that, or, or you, you see it, um, they're gonna run when things get tough. Uh, and, and I think that, that might be what we're seeing. So again, the long run, you might see a little more stability um, in a, a, after the dust settles, um, but for at least the short term, uh, I, I, yeah, there's a, there's a correlation between both of them and I would expect to see a similar pattern continue.
1: We need to take a break. We will continue our conversation with Villanova's John Sedinoff right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth, and we are back continuing our cryptocurrency conversation with John Sedinoff of Villanova University. What do you think is the best case scenario for cryptocurrencies? I mean, you mentioned that there are some that would love to see it replace the dollar I'm I'm not gonna say I never you never say never but it is hard right now to see that as a realistic possibility you know but if you and I are talking 20 years from now do you think cryptocurrencies become a relatively stable aspect in a financial portfolio or do you think it is more likely, They've either collapsed completely or they are kind of what they are now, something that has some true believers, but is all over the place in volatility and is really hard to kind of pin any long-term hopes
0: on. So I think in the in the absolute best case scenario, I, I don't I don't really see a future for for crypto replacing the dollar, you know, in, in that sense. But I do think in the best case scenario, crypto becomes uh, something that's got a more stable value that is more widely used and easy to use that is a reliable medium of exchange. Um, I I think that there is, and we're already seeing, like I've said, a lot of applications for cryptocurrency and and blockchain technology that can change how finance works and how other systems, you can go away from finance, you can think about blockchain applications for medical records, um, you know, real estate, which is kind of part of, uh, definitely part of finance as well, but you know, not as you think about the stock market. You think about it for payments, for settlement, for all these things where there's true potential for real innovation with blockchain-based technologies. I think that that future is inevitable with blockchain and how it's going to change how finance works over time. The cryptocurrencies themselves, like I said, in a best case scenario, I think things will settle down. Um, things can move towards where it is more widely used and accepted. I do think the ecosystem has to continue to evolve to help that along. Um, There needs to be a bit lower um, in terms of fees, uh, because right now spending, transferring cryptocurrency can be expensive, um, depending on your timing, how congested the networks are, things like that. Um, And I think at the end of the day, all of what I'm saying depends largely on how the regulators deal with it. Because if the IRS wants to continue to really pursue cryptocurrency cases and really make an issue of it, if the SEC changes its thinking or, or continues down the path of regulating cryptocurrency as a financial asset, um, as the, the Federal Reserve starts to think about creating its own digital version of the dollar, I think all these things have implications for cryptocurrency. and. It's a little uncertain about how far regulators will go, if there will be the appetite to regulate, if there will be political consensus to regulate it, where we will get with that. Because of course, everything is very divided as far as how Washington works. And it's very hard to make progress in any direction right now. Um, so we'll we'll see. But I do think there's a future and there's a place for crypto in the world going forward. I don't think it's going to realize the dream of being the world's reserve currency. Um, but I do think it can be stable and very usable as a medium of exchange, and present areas of innovation that can change how we think about business and how we think about finance.
1: And my final question, in kind of a different direction, I know there's been a lot of criticism that the blockchain it takes so much energy that it it becomes an environmental concern almost because a lot of it, you just have to use so much power to. I guess, build the blockchains and correct me if I'm not using the, the right terminology. It would seem to me another step if you're going to become more stable is, is that's going to have to be addressed, right? Figure out a way where people, because for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why people were concerned about, I, I couldn't get my head around why what an environmental concern would be for that. But uh, is that something that has to be considered and,
0: and addressed at some point? I think so. And I think we're on the way there in some in some respects. Um I don't I don't have a timeline to give you to, to re- speculate on it, but I think there's progress. So um what's happening with, with Bitcoin, for example, is it's what we call a proof-of-work mechanism. And to kind of give a really kind of a shortened answer about it, um, when you are posting new transactions to the blockchain, that's the accounting mechanism. Um, you have people who are racing to basically solve a problem with the computer. And the first one to get it done gets awarded a payout of of newly minted Bitcoin. So it's a race. And the people with the fastest computers are going to, and the best computers with the best processing power, are going to be the winners. And so it's a technological arms race. And people have warehouses of servers who are sitting there and computers just sitting there crunching numbers to try to be the winner of this race. So yes, that uses a lot of energy. Um, and, and you can look online there are there's are different statistics about you know if Bitcoin were a country uh, of its own, how much energy where would it rank worldwide in terms of energy consumption And I think it's approaching like you know number 30 or 40 in the world as far as if it was its own place. but there's there's ways to deal with this. One would be to uh, see Bitcoin, um, mining operations shift more towards places where there's renewable clean energy, right? If we have solar and wind and, and water that's reliable for uh, producing energy, that's one, one way. There's also alternative cryptocurrencies that work on a different mechanism from proof of work, which is called proof of stake, which is much less energy intensive. So for example, one, one of those, to name one is like Cardano. Uh, which is a proof of stake mechanism. Um, Ethereum is moving towards proof of stake, which replaces the need for all that intense computational power, which would really, really reduce the amount of stress on the environment and the electrical grid and everything else. So, you know, when we talk about the future, Bitcoin might be part of that future, but Bitcoin may not be the currency that at the end of the day in 20 and 30 years emerges as the currency, depending on how things go. And as there might be more adoption towards more uh, you know, more efficient, less energy intensive processes, we could see other projects start to eclipse Bitcoin and improve on what Bitcoin has done. Um, and that's an uncertain thing about the future, I think. Um, uh, as far as which currency, you know, that's the that's the that's the gamble, I guess, right now for speculators. Which currency is going to be the next one to take off? Um, but what we will see, we will see. But a, a future, a world in the future that has a large presence of crypto doesn't necessarily mean it's a large presence of Bitcoin per se. Um, and, and again, there's thousands of alternatives. There's new ones coming out every day. Um, so as we see that shift in thinking towards proof of stake, maybe we have a difference in, in how the market looks over time. That's it for this
1: episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.